0: All right. Well, there's a there's an organization uh, that I'm associated with that gives me more joy this morning than uh, my association with Michigan football. I'm just kind of laying that out there, and, uh, and you say, what on the world is that? What organization could you be more thrilled to be associated with? It's SeedNet. It's SeedNet. This is a, it's a group of people with a passion and a heart and a passion that... M- Any of us have, right? And share to make sure the gospel gets to and a church is formed and given to people who are very, very oppressed, live in very, very pressed areas. SEED stands for, it's an acronym for people who are spiritually, emotionally, economically, and developmentally oppressed. And so the the neighborhoods, the trailer parks, the apartment complexes that uh, many people tend to drive by, those are the places that Nathan Wells and Jenna and the whole crew are going into because they they want to take them the good news of Jesus Christ and uh, you know we're a part of that right grace um, these guys are on our missions budget uh, 15 years ago it was over 15 years ago that Nathan as the youth pastor here some students uh, uh, had some friends that lived in the Stony Creek apartment and uh, these kids came to Christ, and then their parents, and then a, a study was formed in an apartment complex, and long story short, Eastgate Bible Church was born. And then SeedNet um, is a ministry that is expanded uh, around the country. There There's over a 1,000 people that are gathering on a weekly basis in 10 different states Um, uh, that's happening right now in SeedNet Ministries, and we're thrilled about that. We're so excited about what God is doing in and through that, and um, we're really, really glad to have Nathan uh, come and share with us this morning. Now, um, Nathan and Jenna and the boys, how you doing, guys? Look, the boys are growing up. They don't want us to point them out, but, uh, you know, Austin's 18, right? Oh, wow. Now you're drinking and chewing. No, okay, okay. But um, um, yeah, it's it's so cool. I've appreciated Nathan as a friend and a brother, okay? Uh, Just because he's not on staff here anymore doesn't mean we don't stay very closely connected and we meet on a regular basis. And um, what he has done to encourage my heart and sharpen and me, I'm very, very, very grateful for our relationship as brothers in the ministry. So uh, um, you'll want to hear from him and tonight, Guys, tonight, 4 o'clock, uh, there's going to be a, a, a seminar that he and Jen are going to lead that I'm anxious to be a part of as well. And uh, thanks, man. I want him to rub off on you the way he rubs off on me, all right? And so, uh, let's, let's uh, thank him. Let's give him a warm Ashland welcome. for you. Thanks,
1: Dan. Such an honor to be here. I like y'all. I don't know y'all, but I like y'all. He tells me about you guys a lot, and I know he loves you. So, and I love him. We have such a good relationship, and I'm glad it won't end on this side of eternity either. Um, before we jump into things, let's pray. Father, thanks for today. Thanks so much um, for this opportunity to be with your people. We are those here that know you, Jesus, uh, and have your Spirit living in them. We are. We're family, we're brothers and sisters, so I pray as we get into your word and that your spirit would light us up in the different ways we need lit up. Lord, you know exactly what each one of us needs, and I pray too, Lord, that we can all rub off on each other as the days go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, the message I'm going to share with you is one I preached to you, well, very similar to one I should say I preached to you in July of 2019, and I'm not preaching it again because I couldn't come up with a new one. Uh, I'm preaching it because it's so timely. There will be some nuances, um, so those of you that uh, were here a couple years ago and maybe heard this, you'll hear some similar things, but you'll hear some new things. And those of you, of course, have never heard it before, well, this will be the first time, and I think it'll be good for you. Since July of 2019, we have seen a rise in social and political unrest, an increase in racial tensions, rising joblessness, and economic depression, and of course a global pandemic. All of these things have affected Christians and non-Christians alike, and fear has been the currency this world has run on for two years. Christian, does the Bible have anything to say about fear? You bet it does, 365 times in some capacity it tells us not to fear. First John 4.18 says that perfect love casts out all fear. And Christians, where do we experience that perfect love most clearly? In the gospel. John 3.16, you know it, most of you. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish for eternity, but have eternal life. That's some love. Amen? And then Romans 5, 8, God shows His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners—man, that's some love—while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's in the Gospel that we see and feel most clearly the perfect love of God, which Crushes fear. That said, my message uh, for today is going to focus on the gospel and it's titled Being a Gospeling People. Christians are to be a Gospeling People. Before we get too far in this, we need to define gospel. The modern English word evangelism has its root in the Greek word euangelion. The you stands for good, and angelion means message or news. You put the two together, you have good message or good news. Now in the Old English, they used the words good news, but pronounced them good spell or God spell. From that comes the modern word gospel. It's thrown around a lot, not just in the church. But that word gospel is profoundly important to the Christian. What exactly is the good news? What exactly is the gospel? If it's so important, we better know exactly what it is, not kind of. It's the truth found throughout the New Testament that Jesus came to earth and died for our sins and rose from the dead so that all who believe in him will have eternal life with him instead of eternal death apart from him. There's no better news than that, amen? This isn't going to work. We're going to talk. I'm not going to be the only one talking. If you feel uncomfortable with that, you can be a person that sits there quiet. But those of you that can take a little step of faith and talk back, that would be good. There is literally nothing better than the Gospel, people. Amen? Amen. Good. Stay with me. And that Gospel, once we've heard it and received it, is not something to be hung on a wall like a cute little plaque with flowers and stuff put on it. It's something that's meant to be continually soaked in, preached to oneself, enjoyed, saturated. In, We are to be a gospeling people. Paul picks up on this in 1 Corinthians 15, if you'll turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. This is uh, where you pull your iPhone, Droid, whatever else you got. Pull it out, 1 Corinthians 15, or maybe you got one of these old-fashioned Bibles, or I think there's still ones in the pew. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 1-4. 1 Corinthians 15, one. now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. Verse 3, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures. I want you to notice two things out of these verses. First, verse 3 says the gospel is number one. It is the most important message ever spoken. Verse 3 again, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, and he goes on to explain the gospel. And here's the second thing I want you to notice, and this may surprise you. Paul is speaking to Christians here. Verse 1, now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you. He is speaking to Christians. This is not a letter to pagans. He's not making a few verses and saying, hey, go read this to some unbelievers. He's saying, Christians, I want to remind you of the good news. I want to remind you of the best news ever spoken. I want to remind you of the gospel. Oftentimes we only think about sharing and declaring the gospel to unbelievers, but here we find Paul doing it to believers. So if we are to be a gospeling people and effectively get the gospel out to the lost in the world, which by the way Jesus commands us to do more than once, if we are to do that, we must start by gospeling ourselves. First point on your outline, preach the gospel to yourself daily. I'm not, it's not, I'm not the first one that came up with that. This thing has been preached and said and spoken through the ages. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. In other words, declare the truth of the gospel and its benefits to yourself daily. Gospel yourself. Not to get saved again. Let's get that out of the way right now. If there was a moment in your life that you said yes to Jesus at the cross, there was a time in your existence that you realized you were a sinner and you said, Jesus, you died for me. I trust you. I believe—you're saved. That's taken care of. So we're not talking about getting saved again when we preach the gospel to ourselves as Christians, but we are talking about reminding ourselves of the greatest news ever spoken and finding therein the power to live the Christian life. Follow me, gospel yourself on good days, bad days, and ugly days. Here's what I mean. When you wake up on the right side of the bed, maybe that's half the time, I don't know. But when you wake up on the right side of the bed, and you feel God's blessing, and you are experiencing something of His goodness. Tell yourself, this blessing is from God through Jesus to me. I am God's child because of my faith in Him, because of the gospel, and He is pleased with me and He's blessing me simply because I am His. And Luke 12, 32 says, He's pleased to give me His kingdom. And Romans 8, 32 says, He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him up for us all will also with Jesus graciously give me all things. Gospel yourself on good days. Sing it. Sing it to yourself. Those songs aren't meant just to be sung on Sundays. Pick some gospel-type songs that you love that touch your heart, and sing those to yourself daily. Of course, this will be an act of worship, but you know what else it does is it reminds you of the reason you worship that God. Preach the gospel and its benefits to yourself on bad days, when the day is rough, when health is bad, when trial is real, and temptation is at the door. Gospel yourself. Tell yourself the struggle is real. Hold on a second. I'm 46 now, so I'm talk down to some younger people. Do not stop there. Oh, the struggle's real. Life's hard. Don't stop there. The struggle is real. Temptation is real, but then you fill it. With the gospel, you tell yourself the struggle is real, but according to Hebrews thirteen five, my Savior will never leave me. Preach to your, yourself that no one and nothing can take you out of God's loving hand, and according to Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good for those who love God. And you know why you love God? Because He first loved you. The gospel. It's everywhere. Do you see it? You need to see it if you're going to preach it to yourself. Tell yourself Romans 8, 11, these are on those bad days. Temptation is right there, knocking those rough days when you just feel rough. <laughs> Romans 8, 11, the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in me, and He will give life to my mortal body, so by His power I can beat this temptation and get through this trial. And all of this is possible because of the gospel. But we also got preach to preach—Christian, the we also got to preach the gospel to ourselves on ugly days. You know those days where you have sinned, where you have fallen into temptation? You already dropped the ball. Temptation is no longer at the door, it's in the house. You know where I'm at. Gospel yourself. The moment the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, fly to the gospel, confessing your sin, preaching 1 John 1-9 to yourself. Oh yes, I, I confess, I confess, my God is faithful, I confess my sin, my God is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me, because Jesus died for that sin, that very sin. And then you move forward with the gospel. Hebrews twelve six: the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son or daughter whom He receives. And doggone it, I am a son because of the gospel. Get on offense, church, and start with yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself on good days, bad days, and ugly days. And this is a discipline. This isn't always a knee-jerk reaction, but it's a worthwhile discipline. When we gospel ourselves, it will overflow into gospeling other believers. And this is in fact what Paul was doing in 1 Corinthians 15, and I believe in all of his letters to some capacity. Which brings us to point two, preach the gospel to other believers. Declare the truth of the gospel and its benefits to other Christians, not so they get saved again. We've already dealt with that. Jesus dealt with that at the cross. But so they can remember the greatest news of all time, and find power to live the Christian life. Hey, listen church, if you know—if you know somebody is having a bad day, if you hear of a brother or sister struggling, call them. Text them and remind them that because of their faith in Christ, they are God's child, and He is with them. Maybe a fellow believer will come to you for advice. We'll give them the advice, but for heaven's sakes, gospel them while you're at it. Remind them, hey, God gives to His own. He gives wisdom without reproach, and this is possible because of the gospel. If a Christian comes to you, a brother or sister struggling with temptation, or has already fallen into sin, gospel them like you would yourself. Don't act like you're better than them as if you didn't just sin, you know, a few hours before or a day before. Gospel them, lead them to the promises, the blood-bought pom- blood promises of 1 John 1-9 and Hebrews twelve six. We do a disservice to each other as Christians when we use anything other than the gospel, other than gospel truth, to help a fallen brother or sister rebound from sin. Galatians 6-1 says to restore a brother or sister who has fallen. Now restore means to return to the state they were before they fell, and the only way to do that is to return them to the gospel. Gospeling yourself and other believers will overflow into gospeling unbelievers. Now, this is the part that most of you think about when you think about gospeling. But in my experience, and I'm a gifted evangelist, before before the last 15 years of doing SeedNet, I was—I'm just—it's just the way I'm wired, okay? And I've tried a lot of different things, and this is the one that has stuck this is the one to me that feels most biblical and um, gives me the ability to share the gospel with unbelievers more often for the long run. We gotta start with gospeling ourselves, and then we can also—we need to gospel one another. And this will overflow into gospeling unbelievers for two reasons. One natural reason and one supernatural. The natural reason is, the more we talk about something, the more we want to talk about that something. A lot of you were probably enjoying talking about the Buckeyes. Now that's probably going downhill a little bit. But whatever you enjoy talking about, you talk about, and the more you talk about it, the more you want to talk about it. Amen? You get that, right? But the other reason is supernatural. The supernatural reason is that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us as believers gets excited and empowers us to speak Jesus' words, and He does so all the more the more we do it. See, if you want to do a study on the, uh, the Holy Spirit, look at John 14 along John 16, but one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit is to, sh- is to shine the spotlight on Jesus. And then when we go there, when we respond to that Holy Spirit living in us shining the spotlight on Jesus, and we just open our mouths just a little bit, it's as if the Holy Spirit gets more excited to give us even more power and more words to keep gospeling. All of this leads to point 3, which is where we'll land this morning, and that's uh, preach the gospel to the lost. Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Now we have preached the gospel to ourselves, we have preached it to one another as Christians. Now, It's time to verbalize it to the lost. So when I'm saying the word preach, I don't mean you come stand up in here and do something like this. It's a proclamation. It's a declaration. It's a proclaiming. It's a talking. It's a saying. It's a verbalizing the good news. And Christians, right now, more than any other time in my existence—and I realize I'm only 46. But what the world needs most is the gospel. There's been a lot of sad things that that has happened the last two years. But one of the saddest, in my view, is how the church has gone all sorts of ways. I don't mean this church, I mean the church at large has gone all sorts of ways with how to respond to all the upheaval. When in reality, we have the answer, and the answer is the Gospel. More than anything else, the gospel is what our lost world needs today. More than social programs, more than government programs, more than racial reconciliation rallies, more than better leaders, more than vaccines, more than churches serving their communities, more than Christians being nice, more than Christians inviting their unbelieving friends to church. Right now, more than anything else, what the world needs are Christians proclaiming the good news wherever they find themselves—at work, in their neighborhood, in their with their family online, the gospel is what this world needs most, and they need saturated by it. Not just here and there. Oh, you're one of those gospel-believing Christians. Oh, you go to that church. They probably talk about Jesus. No, 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 no. What this dying, lost world needs across every cultural arena, everything, every doesn't matter. Everybody needs the gospel and needs us as Christians, to be the ones proclaiming it. Now listen, the only thing powerful enough to actually deal—this is important that you understand this. I don't want you to think I'm coming from somewhere else. The only thing powerful enough to actually deal with the pain, the suffering, the injustice, the sickness, the poverty, and sin in our world is the gospel. That is it. And some of you might be struggling with what I'm saying. That's okay. Go struggle with Jesus over this. Because I'm sure he has a wonderful plan for you and how he wants to use you in whatever world you're in to bring about the good news of Jesus that changes us all. Christian, you know this is true from your experience. Romans 4, 24 through 5, 1 tells of the forgiveness, the justification, and peace with God that only the gospel brought us. And then in Luke 4, 18 through 21, where Jesus is starting His public ministry, it tells us how Jesus brings us freedom, healing, and favor through the gospel. And then Ephesians 2, 11 through 21 tells us how the cross of Christ is the thing that kills the hostilities that exist between peoples. Whew. The foot of the cross is where all people who would truly be reconciled to God and each other must gather, and this is known to us through the gospel. I don't care where you come from, I don't care where you come from, I don't care where you come from. You probably don't really care where I come from. What matters, and here's how we all relate, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. You need Jesus, I need Jesus. There's a cross, let's go there together and watch Him do miracles. What's our job with all that, Christian? Proclaim the gospel. The good news that he offers the world, everybody. Okay, let's get practical. We'll get really practical tonight, so you would love to see you at four o'clock. Um, but I want you to to picture somebody in your mind's eye that you know who is not a believer. They may be an outspoken atheist a churchgoer but not saved, a nice person but not a Christian. Maybe they've told you outright they're not a believer, or maybe it's kind of a hunch you have. Holy Spirit will do that in you sometimes. They may be a family member, hey, they may even be sitting right next to you. They may even be, in, they may be an acquaintance, they may be a coworker. they may be a friend on Facebook or the person that serves you coffee every day. Do you have, do you have somebody in your mind's eye? Just, this is not rhetorical, so nod your head if you do. Okay, this side's kind of slow. Nod your head if you got somebody in your mind, and okay, good. We all need to have somebody in our minds right now. If not, that's your first job. Go find some pagans and be friends with them. That person who you have in your mind's eye needs the gospel. And why would he or she be in your mind's eye? Except that God wants to use you to proclaim the gospel to them. Jesus says, take the gospel, proclaim the gospel to all of creation. That person is part of creation, and you, with their face in your mind, can consider yourself called to go share the gospel with them. And probably more than once. That's how these things work. It's not always the first time. Jesus' command is not to, not to go get them and bring them to church. It's not just to be friends with them. It's not to be nice to them and hope Jesus rubs off, but it's to proclaim the gospel to them. And they're in your mind's eye for a reason. Some of you are like, yeah, you did some psychological thing there. That's why I'm thinking of this person. No, that's the Spirit of God working and putting their face on your mind. Now let me take some pressure off. That's important. This is really important what I'm about to say now. let's Let's take some pressure off you. Success is simply doing it. The victory is in the telling. Success is simply sharing the gospel with that person, even if you're stuttering through it. It's okay. Success is not because they respond well to you. Success is because you took Jesus seriously, trusted Him, and in faith opened your mouth and shared the gospel with them. So whether you get rejected or accepted, or they accept Jesus or not, you can succeed. Folks, this is like the best deal ever. It's a win-win. All you have to do is trust Jesus enough to open your mouth with the gospel to somebody else, and you are a home run. We're going to talk more about the ins and outs, the practicalities, and some of you can push back on me and different things like that tonight in our seminar, so please come. Because this stuff, and there'll be workbooks included and all sorts of stuff, I think you'll really be challenged and enjoy it. But I want you to know that success in this is simply saying it, is simply speaking the gospel. I want to give you a few successful gospel proclamation stories. One of our church plants in Southern Ohio is on a ranch, and uh, one of the ranch hands name is Brandon. I was working with Brandon. It was the first time I met him, and we, the farmer pulled, uh, pulled a wagon of hay into the barn. I was on the wagon throwing up the hay to him in the, the hay mound. He was stacking it. If you can't tell, I like to talk. Brandon's the complete opposite. So for 15 minutes, and that's a long time of complete silence for me, I'm throwing hay, He's catching hay and stacking it. It felt like hours. So finally, I just said, what do you think about Jesus? How about that for an evangelist? I said, it's quiet, I'm getting tired of this. Threw him a bale of hay, knocked him over, just kidding. Um, What do you think about Jesus? He was quiet, which makes sense now that I think about it. He said, well, if you mean like believe in him and follow him and stuff, I I don't. I just started laughing. I mean, that was like probably a bad move. But I just started laughing, not to make fun of him, but it's just what I—so like. well, let me explain a little more. Here's what I mean when I say Jesus. You know, I shared the gospel and whatever, and we got to a good place, and then we just kept throwing, hey. And that was the end of it. We got the next week. I tended to work down there once a week to, you know, relationships, all this stuff with church, and uh, got with him again. We're working. I bump him along every now and then, throw, throw a gospel verse in there, whatever, but nothing. A couple weeks later. His friend dies in a car accident. I corner him, literally, say, this is what I'm talking about, Brandon. You don't know where that person's at, but you can know where you're going. We got back into the gospel. He accepted Christ. It was wonderful. Another story. Ron, he's in one of our other church plants. He lets me pray for him consistently, one of those good old boys. And uh, I always include in the prayer, by the way, um, the gospel. In the prayer. Here's what I mean. After I pray for the person, whatever they mean, need, instead of simply saying in Jesus' name, amen, I say in the name of Jesus, the one who died for our sins and rose from the grave, that if we trust him, we can have eternal life. Amen. And he liked it. And he was always real positive. I go back again, share another verse with him. Oh, yeah. What do you think? And finally, I said, Ryan, Ron, what are you thinking about this? Like personally, you know, you and Jesus, not just me and you talking about this stuff, but you and Jesus. yeah, I think it's all pretty good. Was always, that was always the kind of the vague, "Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so keep going back. Keep sharing. I don't know where we're at now, but I'm going to keep going back and keep sharing. I need to pray for Ron's salvation. Then there was Dean. I asked Dean, "What do you think about Jesus?" Dean said, "I'm a Muslim." I said, "Really?" He said, yeah, but I don't see much difference between Christians and Muslims. I said, really? See, and I'm a gifted evangelist. See how silly I sound sometimes? I just keep saying, really? Dean finally said, yeah, we follow Muhammad, and you guys follow Jesus, but there's a lot of similarities. And I said, but Dean, 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 Muhammad didn't die for your sins. Jesus did. Dean said, huh, I'm a new Muslim, I better go read up on that. All three of those stories were success stories. That's my point in telling you the stories, because the success is in the sharing. The success is in the telling. The victory is in opening your mouth and communicating the gospel regardless of how they respond. I want them all to come to Christ. If you're a Christian, you want everybody to come to Christ, but not more than God wants them to come to Christ. And guess what? That's His job to do the saving. Amen. Our job as Christians, we gospel ourselves, we gospel one another, it's on the tip of our tongue, the Spirit of God is getting excited in us, and we share it with those unbelieving people in our world. Even if we feel silly, even if we don't get all the words right, even if we're kind of like, wow, I screwed that up, then guess what? Tell them, you know what, I I probably should have said it this way. You know what, I think I meant that. And then they're laughing, and you're laughing, and you're like, "Well, you know, why don't we just look at the Bible about it? That's pretty good." All right, round and third coming home here. I do hope I get to see some of you tonight, because um, I truly believe this is uh, this is the hour for us as Christians. to speak the Gospel to the world. I want to end you just with some, a reality check for you guys. Um, around here, SeedNet is—we are grateful that SeedNet is uh, celebrated, and we're grateful for all that God's doing through our ministry. But here's a reality check. We just this year, 15 years into it, just had our 1,000th person that we know of, because we try to track them because we want to disciple them. Our 1,000th person that we know of profess to put their faith in Christ. That's great. Very celebratory. But I need somebody to pull their phone out, because I need the percentage here. So that, again, not rhetorical. Um, we have shared the gospel, and we talked about this as a staff and worked through it probably 100,000 times. With people. What's that percentage? What's 1,000, huh? Pss, 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 what? 1%. Man, mean, we got some work to do, I guess. No! We have succeeded 100,000 times. Do you see this? Of course we're going to keep going after lost people. That, we're the tip of the spear, that's what we do. That's what our hearts beat and bleed as a ministry. But I want you to know a ministry that, that, that has a heart that beats and bleeds that way has a 1% return on investment rate when it comes to people saying they crossed the line. The success is not, from our perspective, in the result on how a person responds. The success is in us doing it. Christians, the success is in you opening your mouth and saying, this is the greatest news ever. Here's how it's changed me. By the way, I just preached this to myself again this morning because I've done sin yesterday, but look how good my Jesus is because look what He did on the cross. He did that for me. By the way, He wants to do it for you. And if you can't get it out of your mouth like that, write it on a piece of paper. Send a text. Get it all over social media. But now is the time, Christian. Now is the time, more than any other time in my history of 46 years, that this gospel needs to explode across this planet, and things will change radically. Normally, most of our churches are a lot smaller than this, um, so normally I'd say, all right, what y'all thinking? But if I do that now, either nobody will say anything or we won't get out of here. So what I'd love to see is if you guys are thinking something, change your schedules and get here tonight at 4, and let's talk. It's going to be—there'll be some structure to it, but there'll be round tables, there'll be discussion, we'll have, everybody will have workbooks. It'll be, it'll be a good, engaging, probably challenging, but I think mostly encouraging time to help us all get the Gospel out. Let's pray. Father, thanks so much for these folks. Thanks that we're brothers and sisters. Those in here that know you, Lord Jesus, I get to be their brother. We're brothers and sisters, and your Spirit lives in us. Father, thank you so much for the grace that you've shed on us. Help us, Lord. Help us to continue to preach that Gospel to ourselves. that truth of who you are, who we are, because of that great Gospel. and to let it overflow to one another and to the lost world. Please use us, Jesus. We love you. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.